Well, good morning, Embrace. Okay, that was good over here. Good morning, Embrace. Good morning. <laughs> welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us today. If you are visiting, we want to welcome you. This is a, your official welcome, but you'll see us in a couple of minutes walking around talking. Um, my name is Tanya Torp, and I am one of the associate pastors here. So a welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, we do have these connect cards that are in your pews. And if you have prayer requests, there is a dedicated prayer team that keeps them confidential, that prays for you every single week. So please leave your prayer requests. Also, if we just want to know a little bit about you. So if you're new, let us know. We'll be glad to contact you and get in touch with you and let you know a little bit more about Embrace. Uh, you can leave these in those boxes that you see. There's one back there that's wooden, a wooden box that says Embrace with a cross. And there's another one over here. When you put those in the box, you can also join us in tithing and offering. So if you have an offering that you'd like to give, you can place it in that box as well. Also, when you came in, there should have been some announcements. We do a lot of stuff here. There's a lot of stuff going on at Embrace. So if you take a look at these announcements, you'll find all of the information you need. For my online friends, I'm going to join you in just a moment. I'm going to get online and start chatting with you. Uh, I will post these in the comments, so you'll be able to see the announcements. But if you don't um, get the email, Christina and Rachel both send out a beautiful email every week that tells you everything that's going on. If you'd like to get on that email list, let us know. Um, we're going to turn it over to the worship team. So thank you so much for being here this morning. We're excited to worship the Lord together. Thank you, Pastor Tanya. If you will stand with us, and we will say our call to worship together this morning right behind me on the screen. Oh, Lord, let my soul rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning we're going to sing, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And this is really just a way for us to invite the Lord to do what he wants to within us this morning so that we can leave this place changed when we go out in a little bit. Um, so I just invite you, whatever your morning's been so far, just take a deep breath and allow the Lord to meet you in this space.
In Isaiah chapter 6, there is a beautiful prophecy where Isaiah sees heaven open up and he sees the Lord. And, and in the moment that he sees the Lord, he also sees himself. And he says, oh, I'm coming into the presence of this holy, holy God, and I am a man of unclean lips. And so he asks for a coal to be taken from the altar of the Lord to cleanse his lips. And so this morning, as we see God and we see ourselves, we know that he can do something in us that we need done. We know that we need to receive from him the grace and the purification to really offer ourselves to him this morning. And so in the spirit of Isaiah, we join in a communal confession. That will be behind me on the screen as well. We know that nothing is able to separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. Let us in freedom confess the wrong we have done. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And in confidence, we know that we are forgiven. So this morning, we're going to turn to one another and just spend a moment sharing our gratitude and lament. This is a practice we share as a community every week. If this is new for you, it is an opportunity to talk to each other, which might be a little scary for the introverts in the room, but you can do it. I'm an introvert, too. Um, you're not alone. <laughs> But this is an opportunity to share something that is um, really wonderful in your life that you want to give thanks for this morning. And it's an opportunity at the same time to acknowledge something heavy that you're carrying or something that's not right in the world, a lament that you have today. Because we know life is full of both at the same time. So if you have one or the other or both, please feel free to share that with a couple of people near you. And we'll come back together and sing again in a moment.
invite you to continue singing with us this morning.
Amen. Well, good morning. My name is John Gallagher, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church. Just want to say welcome to each and every one of you today. Um, I also want to say happy Mother's Day this morning. I want to share a couple of quotes with you. A woman named Therese of Lizos shared that the loveliest masterpiece of the heart of God is the love of a mother. The loveliest masterpiece of the heart of God is the love of a mother. In Isaiah 66, we read, for this is what the Lord says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. The love that a mother has for her child is possibly the greatest expression of God's love that we see here in this world. We can see evidence of God's love all around us, but the love a mother has for a child is perhaps the greatest. Throughout the Bible, we actually read time and time again about how God loves us like a mother loves her child. There's a lot of talk of God being father in the Bible as well, but there's also a lot of talk of God also being our mother. Today, I just want to say happy Mother's Day. We are grateful for all the mothers here in our community. Um, thank you for helping us better understand God's love for us. I also want to recognize and just honor all the, the women among us. You know, many of you may not have kids of your own, but you've loved numerous uh, kids and you've cared for them like they are your own. And so thank you for being a mother to many. And also, I say this every year because it's just true. You know, I want to acknowledge that Mother's Day is a difficult day for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Many of us celebrate Mother's Day with a lot of gratitude and a lot of joy, but at the same time holding a lot of grief and pain at the same, in the same moment. We live in that tension. And, and like I said, there are many reasons why Mother's Day is painful for people. Um, but I just want you all to know that, that here it's okay uh, if you're struggling today. And it's okay to, to sit in that pain and grief. I want you all to know that God is with you. And that God is a perfect parent who loves you unconditionally and is with you. Um, scripture teaches that God is our father and God is our mother as well. So I want you to know that God, your mother is with you today. Um, we're going to have a special announcement in just a moment, but first I'm going to dismiss our kids uh, for their time of learning in the Wonder Room. Uh, so if you are a child age four years old through fifth grade, uh, then you have an opportunity to go to the Wonder Room. If you are a parent with a child and they've never been before, or you're visiting today, then I ask that you walk with them and introduce yourself to the leaders and make sure you have the right paperwork filled out. But let's give our kids a hand as they come up to the front. And as our kids are heading out, I'm going to invite Zoe Epley and Brisa uh, to come up to the front. Uh, let's give them a hand as they come up. <laughs> Zoe and Brisa are both uh, in the youth group here at the church and are very involved here. And they're going to share about uh, an opportunity for you all to partner with them and other students in their trip to Aldersgate Camp uh, coming up here in just a few weeks. So who's going first? Hello, I'm Brisa. And I'm Zoe, and we're going to share a little bit about why we love Aldersgate. 
we've both been before and are going back this year. This will be my third time, and I love it. One of the best things about camp is the time outside. We get to be active and play lots of sports and games, and through those, we learn team building. We get to be one with nature and build stronger relationships with the people around us. We also have a campfire time every night where we get to sing together and talk about God, and we can build a relationship with him. Everyone loves the campfire. And another thing about camp is we aren't on technology all week, and it is refreshing to have a break. At Aldersgate, there's a variety of yummy food provided to the campers. You can't go wrong with biscuits and gravy. The staff also make it very fun by performing little skits every time when it's time to get seconds. While we're at camp, you can support us by praying for us about things like safety. And there is still time to donate money to help us go. Thanks for everyone who has supported us with donations. We are so grateful, and we would appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you, girls. Y'all did a wonderful job. Um, I'm really excited about all the kids that are going to get to go. We have 24 students who are signed up, and we need six more sponsorships. So that means that you all have already covered 18 sponsorships. And so we only need six more. It's $150 uh, to sponsor a student. Aldersgate covers the rest of that um, because that is um, just about half of what it actually costs to pay for a child to go for a week. And so Aldersgate covers a good portion of it, and then the church is committed to covering the other because we do not want a financial uh, burden to be a reason why students cannot have that awesome experience at camp during the summer. So if you're willing to support a student, you can write a check. Um, if you have those this morning, you can give cash as well. If you write a check, just put Aldersgate in the memo. You can put it in the box in the back of the room by that door or the box over here. You can also give online as well. And if you give online, there is a way to write a memo there, and you can just write camp or Aldersgate in that, and Rachel will know what that is for. So thank you all so much for your support. We've been sending kids to Aldersgate for a very long time at this church, and so many lives have been touched uh, by their experience there. Um, I also want to remind you, next week we have an important meeting before church at 9 a.m., and so we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Um, you may remember back in March we had an informational meeting about our denomination, the United Methodist Church, and kind of a lot of the issues uh, and kind of division that has resulted from talking about uh, LGBTQ care and inclusion. And so our church has been on our own discernment process to really ask God and to discern together in a community of where um, we're at in all this and, and how we're going to best love and care for people. And so we have uh, made a lot of progress, and we're excited to give some updates um, coming up on May 21st next week at 9 a.m., and then it's really going to be the next phase and a, a new journey that we're going to go together on from learning and growing and really learning how to be uh, people who follow Jesus as closely as closely as we can here in this world and the people who practice radical love for others. And so um, I invite you all to come. Uh, if you're part of our church, um, then you're welcome to join us at 9 a.m. next week. We'll most likely be meeting downstairs in our fellowship hall. And then we'll come up and we'll worship together after it's all over. All right. If you have any questions before then, just let me know. We're going to enter into our time of prayer. I'm going to kneel at the altar. If anybody would like to come and kneel with me, you are welcome to. If you'd like to take that posture for prayer. But we're just going to take a moment of silence before we enter into a moment of prayer. You've probably heard the verse in the psalm, Psalm 4610. 
It reads, be still and know that I am God. And in the chaos and the pain and the grief and struggles that we're facing and we're experiencing each and every day, we have to really be intentional to take moments to slow down, to slow down our bodies and our minds and our spirits and just breathe and just be still and be reminded of God's eternal and all-encompassing presence that is moving throughout this world at all times, sustaining and, and breathing life into this creation. And that same spirit lives within you and is breathing life into you each and every moment of the day. I encourage you now just to breathe and just to be still. God, we come to you today in need of your grace, in need of your love, in need of your care. We come to you today needing a God who will hold us. Lord, we need you to wrap your arms around us and nourish us and remind us, Lord, that we're okay. I know, Lord, I've been through a lot this week, and I know that a lot of others have been through a lot as well over the last weeks and months, and maybe this last year has just been really hard. We're carrying a lot of pain. We're carrying a lot on our shoulders. We're carrying a lot of stress. And God, we need you to hold us like a mother this morning, that you would wrap your arms around us. You would be our steady source of love and care today, that we would be reminded today that we are not alone, that you are with us, and that we're okay with you. Even as a lot of stuff is going on around us, that we are okay with you. And I pray that we could believe that and feel that and 
know that with a little more confidence this morning as we leave the space. God, this morning we do give just lots and lots of thanks this morning and gratitude for all the moms in our lives, the people who have mothered us, the our biological mothers and, and all the other mothers that have played such important roles in our lives, helping us, Lord, to have wisdom and insight and know kind of which way to go and that have helped us to feel like we can accomplish great things and take risks, those people who have believed in us and shepherded us and led us and supported us and fed us and just been there for us through all the ups and downs of life. We're so grateful, Lord, for them. God, I want to pray just that you would be a comfort and peace this morning to those in this room who have uh, lost their mothers and are just remembering that loss this morning and, and spending time in grief and also in joy as we remember those who have come before us. I also pray for the mothers who have lost their children and just know that celebrating today is, is not, not quite as joyful as it should be because there's loss there. We pray for those who have strained relationships with their parents and or with their children, and, and that you would be close to them as well today and give them peace. And we pray even for reconciliation as that is possible, Lord. Lord, every time we gather, we come with a lot. We, we carry joy and happiness and successes, and we carry failure, and we carry loss, and we carry a lot of guilt and pain and grief at the same time. And, and God, we just want to bring our full selves to you today, and we pray that you would meet us where we're at, in the exact place and moment that we need you, Lord, and that you would speak whatever word that we need to hear today to us, speak straight to our spirits, and that we would be this morning inspired and lifted up, and that we would leave here feeling a bit more confident that we can continue to march forward. Lord, we need you so much. We need you, Lord. Now we join together and pray this prayer that Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, I am grateful uh, that I can be here with you all today. There's some weeks I'm showing up ready to go. Some weeks I'm just here. I mean, this is one of those weeks I'm just here. And so I'm, I'm grateful uh, that I'm here with you all. Uh, I had some of those weeks back during the online worship days when I showed up and I'm like, I don't have anything to give and I'm talking to a camera and I can't even see you all. And those were some of the hardest uh, Sundays I've ever had in being a pastor. But the good thing about being here together with you all in person is that um, when, when some of us show up and maybe we feel a little down or a little empty, uh, we can be filled up by the community and that there's a, there's a powerful energy that I feel and and I think it's a mystical, spiritual thing that's happening when we come together, that God's spirit is moving in a unique way 
when we come together. And God's Spirit's with you when you're by yourself at your house or out in the woods or wherever. You don't have to be in community to experience God's Spirit, but I do think God's Spirit moves in a unique way when we are together. And so uh, my, my hope and prayer is that those of us who are maybe uh, just struggling a bit, maybe, maybe limping into church a little bit this morning, that we could leave feeling a little more encouraged after we spend some time together. So I have uh, just a little bit to share with you all today. Um, we're going to continue on in our series that we've been in, looking at the book of 1 Peter. And I've been asking every week if y'all remember the book, and people are like, 1 Peter, so I think y'all remember it, so I don't, I don't have to quiz you all this week. Um, but we've been, uh, this will be five weeks we've been in the book of 1 Peter, and you've probably noticed a lot of themes as we've gone through it. Um, I've looked at all the lectionary texts for 1 Peter, and I think maybe almost all of them mention suffering, they mention people going through hard times and facing challenges, and it's felt particularly relevant to me as I've kind of been facing some challenges myself, and I know many of you all have as well, and so hopefully this book is speaking a word of encouragement to you, and it can be kind of a practical manual for us as we try to figure out how we stay close to God and keep following Jesus in the midst of hard times. And so today, um, I just got a little bit to share, and uh, hopefully it can uh, encourage or challenge you all this morning. You know, I remember a conversation I had with some folks back when I was in college. I went to school down in Florida at a school called Palm Beach Atlantic University. And I don't know about for you all, if, if you attended college, or, or maybe you're just in kind of that age range of being a young adult. Um, back when I was kind of I graduated high school, was trying to figure things out in life. I remember having just lots of deep conversations with folks, and I was questioning a lot back then. Um, I still question a lot today, but back then I was really just looking around at the world and trying to make sense of things. I'm like, this is what I've been taught growing up, and I'm not sure if all this is true, trying to make sense of what's going on around me. I started noticing and seeing just a lot of bad stuff in the world and trying to find out where God is in the midst of all of it. And we would often sit around in college and just talk about hard stuff. We would talk about um, the challenges that we're seeing. We'd talk about our doubts that we're having and, and trying to find God in the midst of it. And I remember one time, um, it's funny that there's some conversations I remember very specifically from years ago. I don't know if y'all have things like that where for some reason something just stuck with you. And this is one of those conversations. We were talking about the state of Christianity in America. And we were particularly talking about how non-Christians think about Christians. And for the past few years, research has shown similar results. And they've just recently even done more research and surveys on this. But non-Christians in America often have very negative views of Christians and of Christianity. And it's not usually because of our beliefs. It's because of our actions and kind of the way we, tr mainly how we treat people in the world. And, and Christians don't have a wonderful track record. Um, Non-Christians in America, I remember a survey that was done a few years back, and it stuck with me, and I always remember these top three results. But they ask Christ non-Christians what they thought about Christians. And, and the top three answers that people gave, number one was that they are judgmental. Christians can be judgmental, right? Number two was that Christians are hypocrites. And then the third thing was that Christians hate gay people. And those were the top three results that were given on this survey. And, and 
it doesn't honestly surprise me, but, but it's sad, right? This is not how I want uh, Christians, uh, us Christians to be defined out in the world. Um, but there's reasons why people think these things. You know, when we were in college, we were talking about all this, and we were lamenting kind of, we were starting to see that often what we label Christian doesn't actually resemble Christ very much. You know, they, people talk a lot, we can't take Christ out of Christmas, right? And people get all upset about that. Um, I think we should back it up because I think what's really happened is we've taken Christ out of Christianity. And we've created a religion that, that often doesn't resemble Christ, our Jesus. And it's hard to have a Christianity without Christ. In college, I learned a quote from Gandhi, who was not a Christian, but had a lot of respect for Jesus. And, and, and in many ways, his life resembled Jesus more than, than most people um, who've walked this planet. But Gandhi said that I like your Christ, not your Christians. <laughs> and he had a good point because he, had treat, he was treated very poorly by a lot of Christians throughout his life. But he saw in Jesus something that was really inspiring and beautiful and wonderful. And so in this particular conversation, I remember one of our friends just pondering out loud. They're like, man, what if Christians were known out there in the world as the people who helped others? Just that they were known as good people who helped others. What if Christians were known for doing good and making a positive impact and difference in our world? I think this is the kind of mentality that Peter had in mind as he was seeking to guide these young Christians in his letter. In, it, in our text for today, it begins with these words. He says to these young Christians who are experiencing a lot of suffering, he says, Yeah, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Now, this seems to be what Peter's doing is asking a rhetorical question here. And he's trying to make a point that if you seek the good of your neighbors, if you try to help others, then you are less likely to have folks thinking bad about you or potentially even trying to hurt you. Now, I want you all to remember that Peter was writing to people who were marginalized. He was not writing to the people in power. He was writing to specifically people who were being mistreated by those around them. And this seems to be kind of practical advice to some degree. He's saying, y'all, like, if you do good to others, then you're probably going to be hated a little less. It's kind of like, don't be a jerk. Don't lie to people. Don't steal from them. Don't hate on people. You're going to have an easier time getting along with others in this harsh world if you don't bring extra trouble upon yourself. See, Julie's shaking her head. She's a high school teacher. She's probably having to tell young people these things a lot. Like, hey, don't make it even harder for yourself, all right? I remember when I was uh, in, in, or in high school, there was this kid we knew, and he was just not a very nice person, and he was very rude to people. He was just not kind to them. He said, talked about people behind their back, and, and I remember one day he was lamenting that he didn't have any friends, and, and one of my friends said to him, like, man, like, if you want to have some friends you might want to try to treat people with respect sometimes and, like, be a friend first. And that's, like, just practical advice, right? But even deeper than that practical advice, I think Peter is tapping in to what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this harsh and struggling world. To be a follower of Jesus is to be eager 
to do good. Isn't that what Jesus was all about, right? Jesus was eager to do good. He didn't just haphazardly do good for folks. He was eager to do it. He was intentional about it. And he was trying to truly reach out to others and do good for them. To follow Jesus means that we do good for others, that we are eager to do good. If you read the Greek that this language or this text was originally written in, it actually reads that we are to be zealots of the good. Now, I don't know if you know the word zealot, but it's kind of an intense word, and I imagine the translators, many of them are like, eh, it's not very, we don't use that word as much in our culture today. But a zealot, if you don't know what a zealot is, a zealot is someone who is eager to perform an action or, or is enthusiastic about a cause. To be a zealot means you kind of give everything to something. You are intentional about it. If you are a zealot for a particular cause, then you are going to organize around that cause. You're going to try to be strategic about how to move this cause forward that you are passionate about. And so to be a zealot of the good means that you are enthusiastic about doing good for other people, that you are committed to doing good for others. It's about being intentional and purposeful, but doing good in our communities. Dennis Edwards, who's a biblical scholar and pastor, he makes the point that being a zealot of the good is different than just performing random acts of kindness for people. Now, I think Christians in America, we're often fairly good at doing random acts of kindness for people, which we need those. Random act of kindness is like, you know, someone comes to your place of employment and you just treat them with a lot of love and respect, you know, and you're just extra kind to them. You go out of your way to help them. It's maybe uh, getting a hotel room for somebody who you see who's been sleeping on the street. You get them a room for the night. Maybe it's delivering a meal to, to somebody who just had a baby and you're like, they need a little bit of extra support and so you deliver some food for them. Could be writing an encouraging note to a friend. All these random acts of kindness are very important. And Christians are often pretty good at this kind of stuff. But he points out that being a zealot of the good is really more about being very intentional about seeking the peace and the welfare of our community around us. And that's what Peter was really getting at when he's saying to be zealots of the good. He's talking about all that, your community around you, they may be harsh towards you, they may not think good things of you, but I want y'all to actively and intentionally work for the good of the community around you. And Dennis Edwards says, as a pastor, I found it helpful not only to encourage the random acts, but also help create deliberate efforts for good. And this is often when we talk, we've talked at our church about the difference between charity work and justice work. Charity work is is doing the, you know, raising money for, for a disaster. It's, it's coming alongside someone who's going through a crisis. It's, it's providing clothes to people who need clothes. All that is so important. But justice work is about getting at root causes and really being more intentional about trying to work towards lasting change so that we create true peace and shalom and justice in our communities. And Peter figured... It seems that if these Christians, these early Christians, truly sought and pursued the good of their neighbors, then they would be more likely to survive, and they would also attract others to the gospel. 
And even more so, they would be living in a way that honored and resembled Christ. Now, our church, I am proud to say, and this is not because of me, this is because of our church, all of you all. We have been very intentional and purposeful, I believe, about pursuing the good of our community. And we've got a long way to go, but, but you all have really engaged in a lot of important work. And many folks in our neighborhood are actually grateful that our church is here. We've had non-Christians uh, visit our church on Sundays or at the gathering on Mondays or mentor during the week at Common Good. Many of these folks who don't identify uh, as part of the Christian faith have still said, we're glad you all are here because y'all are making an impact and you are reaching out and doing good work. They've expressed excitement even about what we're doing. People stop by all the time, and, and Rachel and Christina can confirm this, and they say, hey, someone told me to come to Embrace to get help because they said that good people are here and that y'all will help them. Sometimes it's other churches telling people to come here. They're like, y'all go to Embrace because they'll help you out. Or y'all to go to Embrace because I remember, I'll never forget, a teacher at Arlington uh, was saying to, talking to a kid or something about church, and the kid said, hey, you should go to Embrace because they'll take anybody over there. And, and I'll never forget that story. It's, it's great. It's going to go down in like legend. Um, but, but I'm glad to say that, that we will take anybody over here at our church. Um, and so people know that. And so I, I just want to pause for a moment and just thank you all for being zealots of the good, right? Because you are people who have really tried to be intentional about pursuing the good of our community and reaching out to others and truly being a place that, that is known for good work that is known for trying to make a positive impact in our community. And we have made mistakes, and we've not always got it right, and we still don't get it right all the time, and we have so much work to do. But I'm happy and grateful that you all are seeking this and want this for our church. But we all know, um, and Peter knew as well, that often doing good does not guarantee that people are going to accept you. Doing good and trying to seek positive change in your community does not mean that people are always going to be happy for you or going to even refrain from trying to hurt you. Sometimes the opposite actually can happen. Sometimes doing good will actually result in hardship and opposition. And Peter understood this. I once knew a pastor who told me repeatedly, he said, no good deed goes unpunished. And now I think he could have been exaggerating a little bit because... That's a, a very negative way of viewing it, things, but I do think that there's a lot of truth there that when we pursue something good in our world or in our community or in our own lives even, often there can be negative backlash towards that. And really the story of, of, of really the history of our world is making positive change and then there's often a strong and sometimes even more uh, strong backlash to that positive change. So this is the story of living in this world, right? Peter goes on to say, he says, but, so he's saying, hey, be zealous of the good. People aren't going to harm you as much, probably, if you're trying to seek good for them, all right? So this is a method of survival, but also identifying with Jesus, because that's what he was about. But then he says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you will be blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
But do this with gentleness and with respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. And so Peter challenges these early Christians to be eager to do good in their communities, which could then actually bring about hostility against them. It could also bring about questions about why they're living the way that they live. And when they ask, Peter essentially tells them, hey, be prepared to give an answer for why you have this hope, why you are pursuing the good of others even when they are trying to hurt you. And be prepared to tell them who Jesus was and why you follow him. And when you give your answer, be gentle and be respectful in the way that you do it. You know, I've known Christians who have been targeted and harassed because they were zealots of the good, because they were seeking peace and justice for their neighbors and in their communities, and that resulted in actually being targeted and harassed and and bullied even for that kind of good kind of living in this world. And even as these folks were targeted and harassed, some of these folks I know still responded with gentleness and kindness, honoring Christ in the way they dealt with those who opposed them. You know, I believe in America today, if you can't expect oppositions from all sides, if you start following Jesus to the margins, if you seek the good of those in society that have been labeled as unworthy or unlovable or not welcome, you will get opposition for that. And I've experienced that personally, and I know others in our community that have experienced way more intensely than I have. You will get opposition from the conservatives and for the progressives and everybody in between. Because frankly, our society, uh, we like to have people that we push to the side. And we say they're not lovable, they're not welcome, and we just keep them at an arm's length. But when you start placing them at the center and saying, this is who we are here to serve and accompany in their journeys to freedom and justice, you're going to experience opposition. It will happen. A while back, Pastor Tanya was preaching a sermon a few months back, and she was talking about, in her sermon, about the backlash that she heard an experience in some community meetings that she was a part of when the Lexington Rescue Mission was wanting to move into a community that was near downtown. And, and if you don't know the Lexington Rescue Mission, uh, we have folks here who work at the mission um, who have been a part of there as volunteers. They do a lot of good work in trying to serve and love uh, those who, who often are kind of neglected and pushed to the side and intentionally kept down in our society. And, and they were trying to pursue this property in this community near downtown uh, to, to have as a place where people could come and get counseling and therapy and all the support that they might need in their lives. And residents of that neighborhood came out, uh, not many in support, but many came out in strong opposition to the rescue mission because they didn't want a ministry in their community that was working with people experiencing addiction and homelessness. They respected their work as long as it was in another neighborhood, but not if it was in their neighborhood. And we've experienced this even at our church, people in opposition because we reach out to folks who, who are living on the streets or, or don't run people off if they just need a safe place to hang out for a little while. And, and, and so this is the kind of mentality that Peter would certainly not uh, agree with and would certainly recognize this is going to bring some opposition if you continue to reach out. And, and, and what I was amazed by, and Tanya mentioned this as well in her sermon, but that the rescue mission leadership I read and heard some interviews and some, saw some video footage even of those forums that took place that they still 
they stood up and defended their work, right? They were ready to give a defense, like Peter said. They were ready and they were there, but they still did it with even a gentleness and a kindness, even as they faced that harsh opposition and slander. In his letter, Peter is casting a vision here, I believe, of Christians coming together to eagerly and intentionally engage the world around him. He's not calling Christians to remove themselves from the world around them and create a tight bubble where they never interact with people different than them. No, he's calling them actually get out there and intentionally engage with people and work together for the common good of the community is around you. And from whatever position you have in society, most of the people he was writing to had no position of power. But I believe we need to bring this mentality into the halls of power, into the classroom, into the factories and the places of employment on the street corners, out into the, the hills and the hollers in eastern Kentucky. All the people working together to pursue the common good of those in our communities. And many folks will appreciate the good work. I've seen it with my own eyes. When we do good work, there are many people who want to be a part of it. And I've seen people come to know Jesus as a result of that because they've seen the good work that is being done. And that's a beautiful thing. However, we also need to keep our eyes wide open and know that people will oppose that good work. People will slander that good work. And people will even seek to harm Christians as they stand up for peace and justice. But regardless, Peter challenges these Christians to keep doing what is right and good anyway. Because we follow Jesus and Jesus is our model. And so here's a good question just to consider this morning. How are you involved in deliberate efforts for good in our community today? We could talk specifically our community right here or our broader Lexington community or the community in Kentucky. And you may, I know many of you all do a lot of good things for people in your day-to-day lives. But I want you all to think also a little deeper and think about how are you involved in deliberate efforts to really seek the common good in our community today. And thankfully, there are so many good organizations that we're connected to, so many people who are engaged in really important work to truly try to see shalom in our communities. And so I want you all to think about it. If you're like, I don't really know, then talk to us and let's work together. Talk to me. Talk to Christina. Talk to Rachel or Pastor Tanya or other leaders in this church, and and we would love to, to, to discern with you about how you can get more involved and really work together Uh, to see um, just beautiful things happen around us. I want to close with just one of my favorite verses, and and this is something I come back to on a regular basis. It's from Galatians 6-9. And this is ultimately, I think, what Peter was discussing. This is Paul who writes this, but they were on the same wavelength uh, in many ways. But Paul says this to this community in, in Galatia. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so for those of you, I know, I know some of you are actively engaged in really important and good work in your jobs or in your, your free time. And, and I know you're probably experiencing a lot of opposition right now. And you're feeling like you're not making any progress. You're feeling like your work is just kind of throwing stuff into the wind and nothing's happening. And I want to encourage you all to keep moving, to keep working. And I do believe that the seeds that we plant, that God can work, God's spirit can work to help those seeds grow into something meaningful and something beautiful. The parable of the mustard seed, Laura's heard me talk about it way too many times. 
uh, over the years, but it, it has really been an inspiration to me. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And if you've ever seen a mustard seed, my dad had a jar of mustard seeds once he used as a sermon illustration. And he said there were like a million mustard seeds in there. I don't know if that was true or not, but it was like a lot in one jar because they're so tiny. You know, they're so tiny. And, and Jesus said that that's the, what the kingdom of God is like. It's, the, it's something small, but when you plant it in the ground and you water it and you care for it, then, then God's spirit is moving under the ground and helps that seed to grow into something big and something that actually does make a difference and says even provides shelter for birds who come and need to find a place to build their nest. And so I do believe that our work that we're doing and that you all are doing are sowing seeds, and they may seem small and insignificant, but I do believe, and I'm, I'm trying to hold on to hope um, that, that God is working and is going to help those seeds grow into something beautiful. And, and something that's going to make an impact. And, and we've seen it if we look back over long periods of time, we can see how this happens. But we have to be friends of time if we're going to truly see God's work come to fruition in our lives. We have to be friends of time, and we have to recognize that small things truly do matter. So let us not grow weary in doing good, for at that proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So I'm just going to say a prayer for us before we share communion this morning. We take communion every week, and, and communion is it's all about Jesus. It's a way to encounter Christ. For those of you who may be visiting or if you're new to the Christian faith, this can seem maybe like a, a strange thing that we do where we come forward and we, and we say that this is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And, and, and what we're doing here is we truly believe that, that Christ is present in this meal, and and there's a mystical kind of experience that we're having with God when we share communion. When we eat the bread and drink the juice, we're, we're remembering back to what Christ did and the model that he gave us for how to live in this world. That we live in this world as, as people who are willing to give of ourselves for the sake of others. That just like Jesus gave his life for the sake of the world so that we might find joy and peace and wholeness, we are called to follow Christ's example and to give of ourselves and to live for something bigger than just us. Uh, to live for something that is beyond just our own self-centered interest. And so communion is a way to remind us of that way of living and existing in this world. Of, of loving and serving. Even, even when we face um, so much opposition and challenge and even hurtful stuff that this world throws at us. Jesus continue on nonetheless and he calls us to do the same. And he says that he'll be with us through it all. That we don't have to do it within our own strength, that actually it's God empowering us and working in us to help us be people who are self-giving and, and pour ourselves out for the sake of others. So let me pray for us before we share communion. God, we love you so much, and we're so thankful for your example. And God, I'm just thankful for how your example and the way you lived when you walk among us inspired all these early Christians and and gave Peter this just wisdom and, and, and ability to, to inspire these early Christians who were suffering and going through so much. We're so grateful, Lord, that you've been there before and that, and that your witness has witnessed to so many others throughout, throughout history. And that we stand on the shoulders of so many who have come before us. 
We're grateful for that great cloud of witnesses of those zealots of the good who have truly given their lives to pursue your goodness and your love and your grace and your peace and your justice in our communities. We're grateful for them, and we're grateful that they are inspiring and challenging and cheering us on even as we seek to pursue the good of those around us today. We pray we would look back to you and your, your example that you showed us so long ago. Lord, we come before you just humbly confessing that we have not loved you with our whole heart and that we have failed to love our neighbor as ourself. And we ask, God, that you would forgive us. And not only that, empower us this morning to leave here and, and keep, keep moving forward. Even, even if we feel like we can't, Lord, we pray that you would empower us and that your spirit would give us what we need to, to continue, to not give up. And that you would meet us in our weariness and our brokenness and in our pain. And that you would help us to continue to, to live like Jesus. And to share you with, with those around us. Pray you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon this bread and juice. That it would be for us the body and blood of Christ. Fill us up this morning in a fresh way. I pray we would leave here changed. Pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. Amen. I'm going to invite those who are serving communion to come on up. When you come forward to take communion, just come forward with your hands open. I encourage you first to use the hand sanitizer. Uh, limits any uh, germs and sickness being spread through here. Um, and then come forward with your hands open to, to limit the spread of germs. We're also, our, our server is going to rip off bread for you, and then they're going to dip it in the cup for you and hand it to you. I know you'll get a little, little juice on your hands, but this is a, a beautiful moment, so a little bit of extra Juice ain't going to hurt nothing. Uh, and so uh, there is some Kleenex over there if you need to clean up in, in however, whatever way you need to. Um, but you're welcome to come. It doesn't matter if you're part of this church or not. It doesn't matter if you have it all figured out. Um, this table is here for you. And you can come uh, however uh, you feel led and whenever you feel led. So um, we do have gluten-free options if you need that. Just let your server know. And there should be some prepackaged communion elements in the back you would prefer to do that instead you're welcome just to go to the back and do that then so uh, whenever you feel led you're invited to come
Thank you all so much for being here today. As you're able, let's all stand for the benediction. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen. Go in God's peace. We'll see you next time.